Podcast. I'm your host Shane Hayden. Coming up on today's episode, CEO and owner of Showplace Cinemas, Mick Steeler. Uh, but first, what I watched this week, um, the main thing I saw this week that blew my mind was uh, The Invisible Man, which is a uh, uh, written and directed by Lee Wanell. It's a Bloomhouse production. Um, I, I, I wandered into the theater, kind of not knowing what I was going to go see, and ended up seeing it in IMAX on opening night, and. The movie blew me away. It's ex- expertly made. Um, uh, it was a, a brilliant decision to. Um, I've all Visible Man movies I've seen, uh, I'm familiar with, are all about the voyeurism of being, um, kind of the Hollow Man esque, uh, uh, point of view of it. Um, I thought it was a brilliant idea to make an Invisible Man movie from the point of view of a victim. Um, but I also wanted to talk about. I mean, I like the movie a lot, but I also. I had a particular reason why I was getting bowled over by it. I want to talk about um, context. Whenever the, I've had some conversations lately about um, this debate between the expert versus the layman when it comes to watching movies. Like, is it better to know a ton about a movie or to go in and just hope to be bowled over by, uh, you know, just a good story or something like that? And clearly it's that you appreciate it more you know about it. But uh, so this movie's... Written and directed by Lee Wanell. You notice the name Lee there. Uh, Wanell had uh, directed uh, a movie I had seen called Upgrade, but for some reason I didn't put two and two together on that. And uh, I also didn't know that Lee Wanell um, was one of the co-creators of the Saw franchise. And um, you know, I had a kind of dismissive uh, approach to tor- I, I, you know, I call it torture porn. I, I've seen one Saw movie. Uh, wasn't for me, and um, but when I was watching Invisible Man, I didn't put any of those together. In fact, with the name Lee, I thought I was watching a movie directed by a woman, and um, this is a very empowering movie for a woman. Um, like it feels like a, a very Trump era movie. Like there's been a lot of commentary about the um, this is a very Me Too movie about and. About uh, women being gaslighted, and especially when you're in the middle of the movie, you feel like this movie was, you know, the brainchild of this came whenever Donald Trump uh, ho- hovered over Hillary Clinton in the debates. You know, it's like this is, and so not only was I thinking this was a statement by a female director, but I also started thinking that uh, I was watch it was that she had never directed anything before, and I was seeing um, this this. You, you see, I follow a lot of female directors on Instagram, and you always get this sense, especially with, like, Amahara all this year with Honey Boy, like, uh, they, they, there's so much untapped talent. And just because uh, the percentages are so terrible and women aren't getting chances to direct as much, that there's just a lot of great movies we're not seeing. And so, and but and then you turn around, it feels like a burst of creativity when they finally do get their chance to direct. And so I thought I was watching um, a really great cinematic artist form uh, in front of my eyes. And I, I got involved in that narrative on top of loving the movie. Because, I mean, the movie's, the movie's just 
it, it's firing on all cylinders. Like, um, the production design's gorgeous. Uh, it's insanely well shot. It looks like a, a it's like it felt like a Fincher movie in some points. Um, Benjamin Walfish the um, did the score. He did Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and uh, uh, he's he's kicking ass on it. Um, but it's I wish. So there's also this other part. Um, pe- people have listened to the show, or even if you just scroll down the guest. You'll notice that um, there's one woman has been on the show so far, and uh, I'll share a little quick story. One guest I emailed about being on emailed me back and said that uh, they they were interested, but um, that I need to check with them in six months uh, before I, I so I didn't have a show that was exclusively a bunch of white guys on there, and that critique pained me just because. Uh, I want more women on the show. I want more women in the film industry. I think we're losing something by not giving their stories. I'm a firm believer that 55% of movies should be directed by women just because we need to, the arts of a culture need to reflect the uh, numbers. And uh, we're losing a lot from that. And uh, it goes a long way of saying I would like more women to be on the show, but um, also I just want more women filmmakers out there in general. So. <laughs> Mick Steeler's on the show today. He's the CEO and owner of Showplace Cinemas. Uh, the Steeler family um, is a long, as we talk about on the show, um, if his grandchildren get involved with uh, work at the theater, six generations of his family have worked in a movie theater in Evansville. It's um, his dad, Paul was a towering figure too. Um, I worked at Showplace for a long, long time. And one of the other funny aspects to uh, this interview is, um, and I mentioned it in there, not only was he my boss, he was my boss's boss. I never really saw him that often. Um, we did the interview in Paul's old office, which is his office now. Paul uh, passed away a few years ago. And it, it, was, <laughs> it had this funny effect where... Uh, it was definitely a principal's office feeling just because uh, I never went in there, even though I worked uh, in the, out the the theater I worked at was right outside the, uh, his office. And I always, every Thursday night, would drop off film cans there after we'd uh, break down a movie. And um, um, But what was really nice was, like, he and I you know, haven't talked much through the years, and it didn't take long for me to realize that all the things this show I've been talking about on this show or interested in this show about the theatrical experiences are his life's work. And he has more vested interest in the theatrical experience and people loving movies than anyone else. And um, it was nice to share common ground on that and, and just have a good conversation on that. So I hope you enjoy. <laughs> When did you put in the first reclining seat? When? Probably about two years ago. When did uh, you When did you first see him? Uh, about three years ago. Uh, yeah, that's about right. We well, our first reclining seats was our Royal Suites we put in at uh, Showplace East. Um, How, when 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 was that put in? Matter of fact, that's probably about four year four years ago. Do you uh, Do you have a preference? Do you like them? Um, I like our newer ones much better uh, I put in the IMAX. Yeah. They're a different company. We started using a different company. 
Um, the first ones we put in was kind of out of necessity because Irwin seating is where we always buy our seats. They, they do have a reclining, so we started using Irwin seating again for our IMAX and Jasper will be re the same type of seats and they're much more comfortable. So you just got here from, how many How many locations do you have total? Now? We have nine locations. Okay, and this is all around uh, Illinois in Southern Indiana? Yeah, and in Kentucky, yeah. And Connersville up in Northern, mm -hmm. um, mid Indiana. Okay, um, so what's the, I mean, you guys are all, everyone, the family's based out of Evansville, right? Right. You're from Evansville. Right. Okay. Um, uh, born and raised here. Born and raised. And yeah. uh, when did you, uh, when did you, when did you first start working in the theater? When I was 12. Which one did you work at? Victory Theater downtown Evansville. I was a usher and I had to wear a tuxedo with a little bow tie. You wore the full tuxedo? Mm-hmm. I remember when I first started here, you guys had it. It's the only time I've ever worn Cumberbuns. Cumberbund, except for prom, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I want to go back a little ways. Um, you're, um, I've, you're, was your great-grandfather one of the first people running in Nickelodeon? Um, my grandfather, my great-grandfather ran, ran a theater on Walnut Street. It was called the Royal Theater. Uh, it was, uh, I think it started out as a Nickelodeon, but, uh, you know, they started showing films and they, they, they would change the films every, you know, every two, three days, uh, cause my dad worked there and, you know, he told me all about it. Um, so it was pretty interesting from that, but they had a balcony. It was back in the time where the black sat up in the balcony and the white sat down on the main floor, you know, uh, um, you know, this would have been downtown. It was on Walnut Street. Okay. I don't know if you remember where the Indian Summer used to be, the, the vinegar place. <sighs> a lot of people remember that, and it was right in, in that area. Do you know anything about what his process was with starting up the theater? Was he the first person in the family to start something like that? Yeah, yeah. Um, I have no idea. I never found out how he got started. Um, all I knew is he had that theater, and that's, my grandpa worked in it then. Uh, my grandpa sold popcorn on Main Street from a popper. That was right before the Victory didn't, the Victory didn't allow any snacks, you know, any concessions. Uh -huh. uh, so then he sold popcorn outside the Victory and all these people were buying popcorn and taking it in. So that's when they said, hey, you know, we're missing out on the boat here. You know, we need to bring this inside and, you know, sell ourselves and make money. This is bringing me back to my uh, days of working door whenever we, there was just, in theory, we were supposed to stop everyone from bringing food in, but that just kind of sometimes went by the wayside. Sometimes yeah. you'd, you'd watch someone bring in a full pizza or something like that. Well, and you hear people snap a can open in, in the theater. I hear that all the time. Yeah. So, um, so uh, your dad then started working at this? Well, yeah, my dad, when he was growing up, worked at this theater. Um, but then television came and they went out of business. Television killed it killed all the small neighborhood theaters, not the bigger ones downtown, because this really wasn't downtown at the time. Um, well, these it, these were privately owned. These weren't like, um, there's that uh, cla right. anti with the, the class thing within 48 where the studios had to lose. Yeah, yeah this was, okay, yeah, these, these were all privately owned theaters in Evansville. We, we didn't have that problem here. But, uh, we didn't have any studio-owned theaters here. But it was television. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, television, yeah. That was probably... What, in the 50s, early 50s, um, somewhere around there. So it, it, this would have been after you were born? 
I was born in 56. Okay. So, and then, you know, so mid-50s, you know, they lost the theater. Um, and then back in 1969, 68 or 69, my dad uh, applied for a job with Lowe's Theaters, who had the Lowe's Majestic and Lowe's Victory downtown. So he... Um, got on as a system manager there. He was working third shift at Alcoa, and plus he did this, because I remember many a night, uh, you know, because he always slept during the day. We had to be quiet while he slept, and a lot of times uh, he would take us to work um, every once in a while, and it, it was so neat to go down downtown, you know, and just watch well, watch movies, basically. Well, how many brothers and sisters do you have? Two brothers and two sisters. Okay. I'm the oldest, so. Do you um, do you remember your first movie? You know, I do not. This would have, but the downtown theater would have been the main theater you would have gone to. Yes, the Victory or Majestic, probably the Victory. The Victory was much nicer than the Majestic. Uh, they always put the crappier movies over at the Majestic, <laughs> um, but uh, you know. I'm sure I saw, I, I remember going to drive-ins, going to see John Wayne Westerns at, with my dad at the drive-in. So that was probably one of my my first movies at the drive-in. Which drive-in were you going to? Well, we went to the mall. We went to the, the Sunset, uh, the Evansville drive-in. Um, Sunset was probably our favorite. Sunset's the one on 41. Right. And uh, Evansville one was the one that's now Showplace East. Right, right. Okay. Um, what were the other, John Wayne you mentioned, what were the other big movies you saw? Well, I really don't remember which John Wayne. I remember seeing Sons of Katie Elder, and uh, uh, I can't remember. I just watched uh, Rio Bravo last night. Well, as a matter of fact, I watched that last week. Really? <laughs> yes, that's weird. You know, you know that's one of uh, Quentin Tarantino's favorite movies of all time. Is it really? No, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I I always I always forget like it's longer than two hours and like right. but, it, but it's cool like yeah. it's just the characters you just want to hang out with the characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, so um, you started at 12. Do you remember anything about when you first, like your first few days there? You were working under your dad, right? Basically, um, yeah, he would go upstairs in the office and I'd be downstairs and you know, he'd check on us every once in a while, I guess. Because uh, the office at the Victory, well, both the offices were upstairs. Um, and I remember, I even I broke my foot one year and I still I could tear tickets because I had a walker on my foot so <laughs> that was that was kind of neat but um, you know it uh, I, I always worked weekends and I remember when I first started everybody was mad because I got a dollar and a quarter an hour when, when they were at, all at a dollar <laughs> <laughs> so they were all mad at me but when I was 12 years old I was six foot tall oh. so that that, that kind of uh, alleviated a lot of problems I guess um, did the whole family work at the? Yeah, yeah. My brothers and sisters, you know, when they turned twelve, they they all worked. You know, twelve was the rite of passage age. Yeah, yeah. Did pretty it, much. Is this would have been like a, a single theater or two? Uh, two. Well, the Victory was just a, a single theater at the time, um, and the Majestic too. The Majestic got tore down, and the city bought it and put a parking lot there right across from the. Well, now it's the 
Seymour, wherever that is, the Children's Museum. Oh, right. Yeah. I just, I remember one of the most glorious things, like uh, those first few shifts, maybe the first year was break. Whenever like you got to just sit in for the half of the movie for 15 <laughs> minutes with popcorn and get paid to do it. I remember thinking that was the coolest <laughs> thing in the world. Tell the people nowadays, <laughs> we can't get them to do that. Yeah. Well, um, so um, when did you start moving up in teen, in your teens? Or? Well, when I was a senior in high school, I became manager down at the Victory. Um, you were a manager while in high school. Yeah. Well, I was I was premature. <laughs> well, I guess I guess that shouldn't shock me because a lot of my managers when I was here were in college. Yeah. Yeah. It. Uh, yeah, it was a lot different managing one theater because you had a projectionist that was upstairs running the movie, so you know you didn't have to. All you had to worry about was the money and the workers, basically. So uh, it wasn't that hard. And then I would sit in the box office, do my homework after we closed and wait till the movie get over with, so. This would have been old school where like the projectionist is also kind of a electrician and like uh, has to. Uh, well, yeah, we had the, car had the carbon arcs and it would switch from one projector to another every 20 minutes. You know, you had that little white circle and they'd switch them over. And, uh, Did you ever do any projecting? Not with the carbon arcs, no. Um, I did. Would, Later when the platforms came in? Right. Yeah. Um, so, um, do you remember any of the movies from your teen years that were kind of pressurable oh, to you? Well, Love Story, I remember as an usher, I worked all day on a New Year's Eve, and they had like a 1.30, 3.30, 5.30, 7.30, 9.30, and 11.30 show, and I, and I ushered every show, and I, you know, I could repeat the lines, of course, to Love Story, you know. Can love you still? means never having to say you're sorry, you know. I was going to ask, can you still do it? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so this would have been the era around Godfather and Exorcist, right? Right. That's when the movies really start coming back. Uh, and that's when my dad got into it. You know, he bought Lowe's out because Lowe's wanted to leave Evansville because they didn't want to stay in any town less than 300,000 people. So that's when my dad got a couple partners and he bought the Vic Victory Majestic. Do you, uh, I mean, he just... Do you remember in the like was it a stressful time at home when he was I mean he's starting a business or was this like something he was coming home to something he knew how to do? He always told me he was lucky he, uh, by getting into the business at that time because that's when movies started to rebound and you know uh, people started going to movies again. Uh, well, this would have been when this, they started the more wide release strategy. Yeah, it was about nineteen seventy seventy one. Um, so that's when uh, things really turned around. I, um, I remember just recently reading that um, one of the models for the wide release was Billy Jack. Okay, well, that was a little later on, yeah. Okay. Uh, it, uh, Billy Jack w was a, I think that was an independent film. Yeah, that, that was uh, why the, it was the, the experiment started and it had something to do with a, a Coca-Cola strategy, but then the oh really? something along those lines, and then the studios picked up on it and were like, we can in, make so much more money off of this. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know Tom Laughlin, who started you know, Billy Jack, he was very instrumental in getting that project, you know, because, what was it, Born Losers? Was that the predecessor to uh, Billy Jack? I yeah. I mean, I I, I know about Billy Jack, and yeah. but that's ba barely. Yeah, I, I remember we had B Billy Jack down there, and I could I could do the karate scene, the, his all his fight scenes. You know, his, 
But, you know, back then, when we didn't have to worry about the projectors, you know, there wasn't a whole lot to do at a theater besides clean up. And uh, so I spent a lot of time watching the films. Dirty Harry was another one. I I remember watching that uh, so many times. When uh, when did you go to college? Uh, I went to U of E um, from 75 to 78. I graduated in 78. Okay. I I thought you had taken a stint at UCLA. Well, okay. Well, I started up at Ball State, went there for a year, and transferred down to U of E, finished up there, and got a degree in accounting. Okay, the I went to, uh, I got married in 81. In about 82 or 83, I was tired of working in the theaters. I was bored, and I wanted to do something else, so I looked up college programs and this program at USC called the Peter Stark Motion Picture Producing Program and they accepted 25 students every year so and I had to really work my butt off to get into this and I had to have uh, recommendations from people and I one of our partners in Showplace Cinemas was a former NATO National Association of Theater Owners president Okay. So he was a partner with my dad. So I, you know, I had a. He gave me a good recommendation, and I I got uh, accepted, and I went out there, and. This would have been for producing. Yes, for producing movies. Yes, and. Uh, it's it's a really long, but it's also a funny story because going out there, you know, I was hauling the U-Haul. My wife was going to stay here in Evansville. I was out there, you know, I went out there with my brothers and trying to find a place to stay. And I'm, I'm looking at all this, everything was either so expensive or so crappy, I didn't want to stay there. This is your first trip to LA? No, I, 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 I took five trips, driving trips to LA in, in, in a year. Wow. Yeah, so, uh, so I didn't find anything. So when it came time for me to go out there, we loaded up the U-Haul, me and my wife, and uh, we, Went out there looking for a place for me to stay, so we, we parked uh, the U-Haul, and I, and I remember unhooking the U-Haul, and it starts rolling, and I couldn't get to stop, and so I'm, I'm dragging, you know, I'm trying to hold on to the U-Haul, keep it from, but then it finally hit uh, some bumpers, I guess, or something, and, and stopped it, and I just, and we did find a place for me to stay up in the Hollywood Hills, and it was like, back then, it was like, $1,100 for a, uh, oh, efficiency apartment. Did you at least have a view in the hills? No, no, there wasn't, not, not where I was, no. Um, so uh, things really, uh, I really didn't like the fact that my wife was not gonna be there with me. I, I needed, I needed at that time some support, I guess, you know, everybody said, so I, well, I, I dropped out. Okay. <laughs> and long, you know, and I, I said, I, I can't do this without you. And she wasn't going to come out there. She had a job here in town. And so I came back to work for the theaters again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, was there any other through the years, any producing opportunities around here? Uh, you know, I've uh, had a couple partners that uh, we would, you know, I, I wrote probably about 10 scripts. And that's what I figured I'd do after, since I didn't finish this or go to the schooling. I, I figured, well, I'll just write scripts. So, you know, I wrote scripts, sent them off to places, and, you know, uh, 
that's what were the scripts like or what were they what they tend most to be of them action action stuff a lot, a lot of sport orientated things so I, I was heavy into sports um and that um i had a chance because i raised about oh three to seven hundred thousand dollars to to produce a movie uh from the guy who started shoe carnival um well i can't think of his name now okay um anyway him and a couple of his buddies were going to give me you know seven hundred thousand dollars to produce this movie i got got this martial arts guy so it's gonna be kind of a martial arts type uh like a chuck norris type movie or, or something like that um and i was working on the script you know and uh i don't know um i was heavily involved with work trying to grow the cinemas you know, so I, I, I was being stretched too thin, and uh, I told the guy that I was co-producing with uh, if, if he could, t you know, take over most of the work, and he said no because he had a job too. So I think, <laughs> what are we gonna do? It's hard with the day job. You know, it, it's because I, I think I just had my first kid, um, and there's a lot of things, so I just put that on hold again. So we're in we're in a show place in North, which yes. I guess is called North Park Cinemas. That started in I got seventy three. Yes, North Park one and two opened in seventy three. Which theaters was the the original? The across the street in the village over there. Oh, the old one through four. Um, when show place I got is eighty two or East show place East eighty five nineteen eighty five eighty five. Yeah, we started out with six theaters there. Now there's twenty. <laughs> Do you remember the first movies playing in either place? Uh, Silverado at, at uh, Showplace East because uh, I know we lost a lot of money on that movie. <laughs> uh, I, remember, I remember putting up the guarantees because back then you had to put up guarantees and advances. Uh, and I remember we had to put up $40,000 on that movie and we lost our butt. Uh, so, um, so can you explain um, just general booking practices as they've maybe changed over the years? Well, Back in the day, like for instance, I'll give you uh, Rocky Three. You know, me and my dad would either drive over to Cincinnati or fly up to Indianapolis and watch the movie ahead before it was going to open, like maybe a week or two before it would open. Do you guys and do this like every week, or just? Uh, we did it pretty much. Yeah, not every week, but uh, um, we did. Usually, we just went and saw the bigger movies, um, and. After we would watch it, we, on the way back, we we discuss well, you know how much money we wanted to put up on it, uh, whether because usually back then you had to put up a guarantee, which you know if you guarantee him fifty thousand, you know if it doesn't do fifty thousand, you just lose it. Uh, whereas if you put fifty thousand advance, if it doesn't do the the fifty thousand, then you get whatever back because it's not guarantee; it's just advance. You're just giving them your money. And the guarantee was just this like studio tactic to make sure that they could would they would they send bad movies that way or movies you, they knew you wanted that way well usually yeah just the the ones that they figured were going to do big business like i remember the movie annie mm -hmm. uh larry aiken at theater a he put up he bid a hundred ten thousand on on this movie and he lost his butt and theater a went out of business because of that so, but on a movie like, say, I don't know, like, uh, what's it, Empire Strikes Back or something like that, if you uh, you put up the guarantee, do you make the money after it recoups? 
Well, no, it's a declining. Back then, it used to be when the first when you opened a movie, the big movies, you had to pay seventy cent, seventy percent the first week to the film company, and it would be a declining uh, seventy. 60% the second week, 50% the third week, down to, it never got below 30, 35% what you paid. Sometimes the bigger movies like an Empire Strikes Back or you know, Return of the Jedi, you would pay like four 70s. The first four weeks were 70% to the film company. Uh, then two 60s, two 50s. But that's when movies lasted longer back then. Uh, nowadays, like on all the Marvel movies, you're going to pay if it does over 400 million cross country. You're going to pay 65 percent for for the whole run of the movie to the film company. So this is the reason why uh, concessions is more the uh, money maker. Pretty much, yes, because uh, we we don't make we do you know it depends on the movie. Uh, we were just Mark and I who does our booking right now. Um, he. One movie, you know, it's an aggregate of 53%, which is good. I mean, anything below, we figure right now we're paying about 57% for the year on film rental. Well, except last year went up to 60%, so that's 3% jump, you know. And, uh, um, that's a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's it's not too complicated, but, uh, you know, for the average person, you know, it's sometimes hard for them to understand you know why or how you know they they think they see all these people come in to see a movie you know and paying 10 11 bucks whatever and they think you know well man they're making a killing but you know we're not because 60 percent of them at least 60 percent 65 percent goes back to the film company it's so weird just because that seems like such a um such a strong arm tactic on the studios and like as if if they start to, you know, like now as they're losing more to the str the streamers and stuff, like it seems like they have less power now. Well, uh, I'm curious to see what play plays out with like something like Netflix because you know the last two years they got kind of got shot out at the Oscars because you know the people don't want to vote for unless they have a theatrical run they're not gonna vote for that picture you know as best picture, uh, but. You know, I I admit, you know, I, I stream a lot myself. So, but usually they found out the people that stream love to go to movies. Mm. So, it, you know, because that's, you know, they just love it. You know, uh, I find myself in that boat because, you know, I go see two movies a week at least and I'm streaming the other nights. So, um, it's just uh, one of those things, they're, you know, they're going to have to see what, how it's going to pan out because Disney's taking over everything right now. Right. Buying out Fox and. Um, so, well, are these um, alternating trends between? Because I mean, you guys have expanded from one to two theaters to nine theaters to, and um, but I mean, is attendance going down or is it maintaining? It's basically at our theaters. It's gone down a little bit because um, you know every year I do attendance, uh, check the record, you know, compare them to the previous years. It's gone down a little bit. Um, but just not, but a little bit. You know, we're, we're waiting for that next big picture to bring, bring it back like Avatar did. And what, what year was that? 2010, I think. 2009 or 10, okay. Nine, nine, eight. Yeah, you know, that, that, when you have a movie like that, it just raises everything to another level. Um, and the Marvel movies aren't doing that? 
they are, but you know now everything's become a big event picture. You know the tent poles, as they call them. Uh, so it's it's hurting the small. Well, a movie like Knives Out, uh, which was a very good movie, um, and it did okay, but I thought it would did more business. Um, even the Ford versus Ferrari, I thought it was a good movie. Um, I thought it would did more business, you know, and those movies deserved it. See more business. What was the, more recently? What was one of the bigger, the biggest movie in the last few years for you guys? The more bigger movies did well. Well, of course, you know, every Marvel movie does, does fantastic. You know, uh, last year, uh, what what came out in May um, was that Endgame. Yeah, Endgame definitely it was huge, but. The difference between now and back in the day is, for instance, E.T. played like 40 weeks. You know, Endgame played, what, eight weeks? I remember a theater I worked at in Austin. Uh, my friend, or one of the guys worked there, I was thinking it was a two theater. He was telling me in 77, I want to say he said Coast Encounters played the entire year. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. It, and that's the year Star Wars too. so. Yeah, right. So. Uh, so do you... Um, the posters that are mainly at East, I was at South the other day, saw those posters. Are those, were those ones that made money or do you guys have fondness for them or the ones, there, there'd be stuff like oh, Three Men and a Baby. Yeah, like you have like um, okay, Three yeah, Men and a Baby or uh, Field of Dreams or. Um, right. Those were movies. Um, well, I starred that. My brother David did all those one of these. I, I'd have. Four of them in my office. I have a Dirty Harry, a Indiana Jones, and the Rocky, and I think something else. Oh, the Natural, Robert Redford. There's a National Lampoon, uh, European Vacation, I think. Yeah, yeah, and he he just did them one one summer, and we we stuck them up on the walls. Were those just the movies you guys particularly liked? Well, probably the ones he liked. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, are you? Um, do you have? Three D completely died out. Yes. Nobody wants 3D. Really? Do you guys still have the equipment to show it anywhere? We do, but it's going to be sent back because they want it back for some reason. <laughs> but uh, you know, pe when we play a 3D movie, it dies because the customer will not pay the extra uh, amount to go see 3D. They won't pay the upcharge. Uh, so they, they avoid them. And so I told you know the film companies because you know they tried to get us to play at least one 3D when it comes out in 3D, and I said no, we're not going to do that because we lose money. And I said, why would you want to lose money? So did you? Um, I mean, we do play some in the IMAX because the IMAX uh, 3D it was much better than uh, the real D that we had, uh, just because it's a bit bigger brighter picture did your dad um was he working whenever the 3d fra uh craze came in in the 50s was he in the theater or was that the period when television took it out um yeah i think he i i don't remember we never did discuss that i didn't know he had any strong feelings yeah. one way or another yeah, on 3D. no he if it made money he was all for it. if it didn't he wasn't for it <laughs> yeah. um so um your your dad used to go see like a movie every Sunday. Was it like a standing date with your mom? Yeah, yeah, you, know, you know they would go see a movie every, get their small popcorn and water, and watch a movie every Sunday. What kind of movies did you guys enjoy watching together? Who me and dad? Yeah. Well, besides going to see him in person, you know, to 
bid on them. We didn't go see that many movies together, except when I was a little kid. Um, he, he, Westerns. Westerns. Definitely. Anything Clint Eastwood or a Western, you know. <laughs> um, so do you, um, how do you keep up on uh, theatrical trends? Like some places like, I, I came from Austin and the Alamo was obviously a pretty successful doing some trend, things like that. Do you just go around? Do you keep your ear to the ground? And well, I subscribe to a lot of trade journals. I have a lot of friends in the business and we, we talk. I go out to CinemaCon every year out in Vegas, which is a fantastic what's, way to network. What's that like? <laughs> First few years, I was just struck by all the, you know, the stars because all the studios used to bring in all their stars to the luncheons and you can go up and take pictures with them and it, it, was, so, it was so neat. Um, you know, back then, we, always, we took our wives, basically, so uh, they loved it, and the studios would always give you, for instance, Warner Brothers would sponsor, a, say, a luncheon on a Wednesday, and so they would have big bags of T-shirts and hats and all kinds of things at your seat, plus then they parade in Clint Eastwood and all their stars um, right before the, the luncheon started, and, and you know, it, it was just super cool. And then one year they had the Batmobile sitting right there, and you know, uh, the first, who played the first Batman? The Michael Keaton one? Uh, was he the first one? Or, or, yeah. or, I mean, are we talking Adam West or Michael? No, uh, the, the, not the, the TV one, the, the, uh, Michael Keaton. Yeah. So yeah, he, he was there and you know, it, it was just amazing back then. And I, I remember playing blackjack with Rodney Dangerfield. Uh, and, uh, old, uh, what's his name from Ghost to Patrick Swayze, uh, played with him. Uh, it, it was just neat back then. You, you'd see him after the luncheons were over. They'd go out and gamble, you know. Is so it, it's just the. Uh, is it? Is it? I mean, do the studios not put as much into it, or is it? Well, you know, they do still sponsor things. They don't have the big luncheons like they used to, but the, they do have their stars come out and talk about the movies coming up. You know, right now because it's at the at Caesars and so in the big uh, um, old place where. Celine Dion played in the, what's it called the Coliseum yeah the Coliseum uh, we, we go in there like two or three times a day and each film company would present their wares and trot their stars out sometimes we would see screens of different movies then at the end of the night somebody would host a big party uh, so it, it's really it's a neat thing for of course, I've been going for like 30 years in a row. <laughs> so, you know, it, uh, uh, three nights in Vegas is plenty. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, because usually uh, I, I don't leave. I, I stay inside Caesars the whole time. Okay. And John Rhodes has been going with me lately. John uh, Rhodes, he's, uh, what, what's his official title? He's now? a VP of Technical Services. He came up with that himself. Oh, <laughs> John Rhodes was, uh, I shouldn't mention... I don't know if I've established this. John Rhodes was my old boss, but you were my boss's boss. Yeah. So, like, we're in show, we're in Showplace North right now, where it was the main place I worked for. Um, I started out here, um, then went to Showplace East, and then came back here for about two or three years. And um, I was, I mean, it would have been like a uh, '97. I remember Titanic was my first movie. Um, yeah, and I. I remember you guys expanded um, four four extra theaters for uh, mainly to get for uh, Phantom Menace when it came out. Well, there's another reason behind the, the expansion. What was that? 
um, Carrot Solis came into town on the west side and so went to Stadium C. How long did you guys have um, no competition in town? We bought out East Park Cinemas in 1990. So from 1990 to 1999, we had no competition. Is East Park, uh, is that your place it's South? Place South now, yes. Okay. Was the, so right now, South is back to being an art house theater? Prim- Basically, yes. Basically? Yes. Uh, second run theaters are dying cross country because, for instance, Disney with Frozen, it's on DVD and they won't allow us to play it at our second run yet. Same way with Star Wars. and um, So... We see the writing on the wall that you know second run theaters are a thing of the past. So we decided that's when I, me and uh, Ted Haycraft really put our thoughts together. And he said, "Look at the Bell Court, you know." And I, the Bell Court in Nashville. Right. And I've looked at that, um, and uh, they do very. Of course, that's a not for profit. <laughs> do they? I mean, do you do they, you guys share numbers, or do you just look at? I can get most any theaters figures what they do on on every movie. It's kind of an industry wide standard, um, but they uh, they have a ni- nice thing going there, and they're known for it. I mean, you know, Ted goes down there how often? I mean, it's a uh, a lot of people uh, travel just to see certain type of movies that they have because they can't see them anywhere else. And so that's what we're, we're trying to do at South. We're bringing in movies that normally wouldn't play in Evansville. Um, Have you checked out uh, IU Cinema? I know it's a Yes. Ted, Ted gave me about three or four cinemas. There's one in Louisville I checked out, and of course one in St. Louis, and so I've checked out quite a few, yes. Are these movies easier to access now with DCPs, or is that a reason why? Because, uh, I mean, I've been back for about six months. I'm kind of marveling at the movies you guys are getting mm-hmm. for, the, for our market size. Um, no, it's still it's up to the film company. If they don't want to play you, they won't play you. Like, for instance, um, some film companies, mainly what comes to mind is Universal. Uh, I'm trying to think about a movie that we just opened, Universal. but uh, Not Invisible Man, that's this week, right? It, well, Invisible Man, that, that is Universal, and that, that's, we're playing that everywhere because it's one of their major or bigger releases. But if you get something below that, you know, they will only let us have it at Showplace East, you know, or maybe Showplace East and Newburgh, because those are our two biggest grossing theaters. Okay. Um, they, they know what we do at, you know, each theater, and um, some in some weeks, our eight plexes in the smaller towns, you know, we won't open anything, uh, which doesn't help us any, because people want to see constant product fl- flowing through so are you getting any um return or good feedback from the art house well of course well, i the first week the first two weeks i saw three movies over there um and everybody came up to me and said oh thank you thank you you know for, for doing this and i said well just keep you know supporting keep keep coming out and tell your friends you know make sure you know you all come and watch these movies because otherwise you know we have to make money otherwise if you know if we don't make money then you know Something's going to happen, <laughs> but I mean, it's not—it's not diminishing. Well, we're a long way from where we need to be. Okay, so you—but you're giving it—you're giving it. I'm going to give it time, you know. Okay. Um, well, because I mean, like, I—it's just a—it's a conversation I've had with Ted many times, and uh, or I'm still friends with Aaron Smith, the manager oh, okay. of East, and we're just—you know—it's one thing to like 
put you know put it out that these theaters are coming to town, but like you you guys are numbers based. Like it's yeah yeah. Well, two years ago or a year and a half ago, we did the '80s for an eight-week period. We did brought back '80s movies, and they they did fantastic. Uh, we did some horror movies for over Halloween that did good, and did some Christmas movies that did good. Um, so we're going to also do things like that. So I, I'm working on a western. Oh, uh, very cool. What western one? Uh, Ted, Ted gave me a lot of titles. <laughs> what are you thinking of? Leaning towards? Or you want to you keep it close to the vest? Yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, probably uh, it's going to be you know one Clint Eastwood for sure, and probably a John Wayne one. And, um, oh, what's it? What's Paul Time in the West? You know, stuff like that. So, I mean, has your th- movie consumption changed over the years? Is, yeah. is it kind of maintained the same way, or? Well, I, I probably see less. I'm sure because you know I, I say I see one to two movies a week. Uh, I probably used to see three movies a week. Uh, of course, back in the day, we had to put them together and we watched them right afterwards, to make sure everything's you know perfect. I so. have fond, <laughs> fond memories of those texts. I, I've, I think I've told this story on here before, but uh, one time there was it was um, Black Beauty. And uh, someone had dropped the print and put um, put it together wrong, oh, and you, uh, it was it was played at East with this out of order version, and people were just like, "Why is Black Beauty <laughs> dead and alive again?" Oh wow! And so I I, I remember that you do <laughs> yes. So I remember they handed it over to me, and um, what was it? Theater Six here at Showplace North always was was the you know graveyard movie that yeah, right before yeah. it's about to leave. So that movie wasn't playing that day, so I spent the entire day like putting it back into order, watching different pieces <laughs> of it. Oh wow! Yeah, um, the horror stories we used to have. Have you have you have you been around a dropped friend many times? Oh or? yeah, oh yeah. They slide off the donut. We put them on a donut and slide off. Or yeah, oh, yeah. I just remember. I, like, I've experienced about everything. Oh man, <laughs> I just the I, the uh, booth just being filled with film just all over the floor and yeah. just all this like twisted film uh, stuff. Well, were you around when we used to interlock them in between theaters? Did you did you ever have a tipped projector? A tipped projector? No. Oh, someone to warn me that that would happen, but when you just like it, you put it push on it that it would tip it over? Huh. Wow. I, I mean, I'm, I didn't see it. But yeah, I, I've never seen that. What were you about to say about the interlocking? Well, because we would go from one projector out of that to the next projector to the next projector. Like at, at least 13 through 18. This happened when we had our start, just started our family film fest, and we would interlock them. You know, that was a nightmare. Really? You know, I'm not sure I ever actually did any interlocking. Because each, each projector had its own speed. You know, it could be off. And really? Yes, it, it, it's amazing because it, that's why we put them on pulleys in the film, and so you would see it rise up, or and sometimes we had to stop the movie to slow it down, or put put your hand on the wheel so it'd slow down. <laughs> yeah, we've done that before. Uh, Did you guys have a lot of uh, um, tears and uh, uh, what was it kind of coning and that always used to happen on the platforms? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Some projectionists were really good, and some weren't. So, you know, <laughs> that I remember we used to have uh, John Rhodes used to have us do projection Olympics where we would see how fast <laughs> we could thread. And like if you got in under when the thing is you do you could do it fast, but you do it terrible. And yeah, you yeah. always have a scratch. I mean, that's one of those things I don't miss about uh, as no. much as I miss mm-hmm. film, but I don't miss the anxiety I used to have over watching the terrors. But 
let's, you know, because I know the Belcourt plays a lot of 35 millimeter, and, you know, Tarantino has that theater out in L.A. New Bab is a great theater, yeah. yeah. Have you been there? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When, anytime I'm in L.A., they show, wow. they're, 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 uh, the things they show are great. Their double features are so great. Wow. I love well, I haven't been to LA in a long time. I need to get out there. <laughs> it, it used to be super cheap too. The concessions were really cheap out there too. Um, mm. so, I mean, is there any thought of keeping a thirty-five or getting a thirty-five back for any reason? No. It just cost benefit, not good. No reason. Right. Right. There's no reason to have it. This, <laughs> do the studios even like ask you or bring it up or? No. Wow. Well, we don't have the capabilities now. We know. I think we have one thirty-five millimeter projector at each theater that it hasn't been used in five years probably longer than that what was um uh i remember when i first came to uh it had, it had to be at least 10 years yeah there was a there was um number i guess it's number seven now but it used to be number nine had um one of those projectors where you could switch back and forth between 70 and 35 yeah up here yeah yeah when was number seven still when was the last time you guys showed us 70 yeah well wow someone mentioned return of the jedi and the the studios used to do those we did we did a couple after that um they used to be studios used to blow up there. There was a John Travolta movie that we played that was 70 millimeter. I can't think of what it was. I think that was the last one. But this, you're, you're talking, you know, 25 years ago. So is it whenever these because we switched everything to digital in 2007, so we didn't have we don't have since then we had no projectors. Are are a lot of these uh, technological sw- shifts like studio dictated or I mean do they ever offset the costs on these or Well they did with the uh, digital. Um, they did a thing called virtual print fees which they would uh, pay to the theaters um, so much money based on the number of prints you showed a year. They would pay you so much a, a month. Um, I think it runs out it's either this year or next year. Because this all started in 2007. Okay. So, you know, it's 13 years ago. Um, so, you know, the, the, and we got reimbursed for all our digital uh, projectors that we purchased. So When did um, when did the IMAX come into town? 2004. Okay. I That's mean, do you, do you think Evansville is a uh, um, more of a movie-watching town than any place in the area? or? It, well, it used to be. <laughs> Uh, IMAX is, you know, it started out gangbusters. Um, over the last probably two or three years when we brought in uh, recliners, IMAX would not let us go to recliners. So the IMAX admissions went down tremendously. People want to watch a movie in recliners. So this past year, uh, I negotiated with IMAX. Our contract was running out in December of 2019, so I said, either you let us go with recliners, or we're not going to renew. We're just going to do our own large format theater, and not pay you, you know, our percentage. And so they relented and let us put in uh, recliners. So we lost half our seats. Uh, they lowered their percentages tremendously, and so we signed back up with them because IMAX is a known brand, and I think people re- still like IMAX, and so we fi- signed. A five-year contract, and we'll take a look at it after five more years. Well, it seems so weird and counterintuitive that you guys make more money by killing half your your seats. 
Well, that, yeah, that was hard to believe too. You know, AMC did studies on that, and they said their when they put in recliners, their emissions rose like forty percent at that theater. Well, it's because the theater had a makeover, and it was a much nicer theater than it used to be. Uh, even though they, well, it also says that they didn't need that many seats to begin with. Okay, um, which is typical. I mean, uh, you know. For instance, our Showplace East, we had uh, 3,000 seats, and we went to recliners, and now we're like at 1,400. Does this increase demand at all? Well, it does. Um, for, for the, when the movies open, okay, it's all reserved seating. So a lot of people go online and reserve their seats so they know they have the seat. And the, the reserved seating, it, it's kind of funny because at first, when we first went to reserve seating, we had a lot of complaints. I don't want to reserve my seat. How do I know where I want to sit? I said, well, it shows you on the screen where, where you're sitting. Right. He goes, well, I can't control who's sitting next to me. I go, well, the seats are much bigger, so you're really not real close to them. Um, so and we, we had a, and some people, you know, said they would never come back because of that. Really? Uh, yeah. It, so, you know, it's a double-edged sword, I guess, in one way. But, but most people liked it because they can get their seats, not have to worry about getting a good seat, you know, for a sold-out movie. And, you know, we're playing them in, you know, the big movies in two, three, four auditoriums. So, you know, there are multiple show times, and you can ho usually find a good seat in one of those uh, theaters. So, you know, there's a lot of advantages. But that goes back to why the movies don't play as long because we're playing in so many theaters. Everybody can see it the first weekend. Um, you know, there, it doesn't extend beyond that. You know, it's amazing how much they drop after the first weekend. Usually they drop at least 50, 55, 60%. Uh, most, most movies do. Is there, do you have a theory on that? Is that just the marketing uh, budget or the marketing well, for it, the it, first weekend? I think it's a thing everybody won't wants to see it now you know i want to see that now i'm gonna go see it this week opening weekend yeah i think that's just uh the society has gotten to that you know uh, point okay you mentioned earlier that you were curious on what's going to happen with netflix and the streaming do you have any theories or ideas or what you think might happen well i've read a lot of articles recently on this um and you know, some say that, uh, okay, it's TV. Of course, everybody has a big screen TV in your home now. You know, I have a home theater, which I watch every night. You know, I got a whole wall, <laughs> and I got the great sound system. And uh, it's like watching in a theater, and nobody interrupts me, and nobody bothers me. But I, I think people still want to get out, um, just like restaurants. You know, everybody has a kitchen, but they still eat out because they don't want to, uh, have to prepare the food, you know, it's just uh, happening when they go out to eat. And I think that's the way theaters, you know, it's going to be more of a happening um, uh, for dates and for families. Um, I, I just think uh, people like to get out and do things. They don't get, they get tired of staying home all the time. Well, what was the, um, what was the internal thought process whenever you guys first started serving alcohol or food? Well, okay, I traveled the country and I would always go to different theaters and check out what they're doing and that seemed to be the new thing. Um, people were, you know, 
ordering food. You know, I, I bet I went to ten theaters uh, at least, checking out what the, how they did it. You know, and each one did it differently. Um, some people made sure you you had to have your food ordered and they brought it out to you before the movie started, and it had to be paid for. Uh, others, um, like the AMC ones I went to, you know, they brought it out whenever you just push a button, and, you know, bring it out whenever, whenever. Um, and some of them, they had trays, some of them had a table in front of you, some of them had uh, where you would write your order down and somebody would come by and pick it up and bring it to you whenever it got ready. Some of them, um, you would order it at the concession stand, they'd give you a, a beeper and you go in the theater and it, it, it'd go off when your food's ready and you'd go out and get it. You'd have to leave the middle while you're in the middle of a movie. Well, that's, yeah, that's all the new one in Owensboro, the Malco. That's the way it's done. Oh, okay. Um, I haven't been there yet. That, that, that surprised me um, because, of course, I always get there early, so I order it early, and I always got my food before the movie would start. I guess I just assume, probably incorrectly, that alcohol might uh, add a, a new element to, let's say, to the... Uh, well, okay, a two-hour movie... How many beers can you drink in two hours? I don't know. <laughs> uh, we we don't have much of a problem with any uh, unruly people, um, and you know we just well now we at the theaters that we do have a bar you can take it into any theater, but we don't get too many people doing that yet. Um, the Royal Suites where we bring it into you, you know, you don't have to go in those theaters if you you know. Um, you know, we really, we have not had a problem at all uh, okay. with it. Um, so, switching to, uh, do you have um, do you have grandkids yet? I have two granddaughters. Are they going to work? Two on the way. Oh wow! Are they going to work at the theater? You think? I have no idea. I don't know. They, they might. I guess I just want to know if they do. How many generations of your family have worked in the theater? One, two, three, four, five, five generations. Wow. Six. I'm sorry, six? Six. Uh, yeah, my, yeah. Um, Cause my great-grandfather started. Okay. Um, I wanted to, um, kind of with the last question, of, but it's a broader question, because I, I, I wish I could prompt you more specifically, but I just want to know some of your crazier theater stories. Crazy theater stories? Just because I know in my limited time here, I, I accumulated <laughs> so many. Well, we, you know, we used to have midnight shows where we're all, back in, I was in college and afterwards, you know, where we bring uh, our friend a case of beer and sit down and watch, watch I remember Airplane out here, watching that, that was, that was a great time. I mean, we, we did that all the time back in the day. Uh, of course, now we won't let our, anybody do that. Uh, things have really changed over the years. <laughs> um, you know, I remember, what I really miss is the studios used to really promote their movies. They don't do that at all anymore. And it, like what? Do you, like what do you mean? Well, I was back when I first started back down to Victory. You know, they, they would do things to the outside of your theater, showing because you only played one movie there. Say, say for instance, you know, Planet of the Apes or something. You know. We, I remember when we had Planet of the Apes, we, we got a vet and two ape masks and we drove around Evansville scaring everybody. <laughs> There's a picture out here on the wall. Oh, yeah, I know I know that picture. Yeah, the, yeah. That's, they that call, was my dad. 
<laughs> the that's I think they call that ex- experiential marketing. Yeah. You think like since marketing is such a big part. Well, because now they open them, you know, in three thirty five hundred theaters across the country. You know, they they don't do that with individual theaters anymore. Um, and, but I really miss that because I, I miss. There's a lot of things I miss about the, the industry that have changed. Um, I, you know, I'll, the 70s were glorious uh, as far as movies and, and as far as, you know, we, we used to, Ghostbusters, we had our limo, Batman and Robin, we were up on top of the showplace east. What, uh, what did you guys do for Ghostbusters? We had three or four Ghostbusters sticking out of the top. Uh, of the limo. The, the craziest thing for me right now is that, and I, I had this feeling whenever I was here, like, because our, our old projection is kind of, air place was 7, 9, whatever, mm-hmm. that theater. I'm pretty positive the first movie I ever saw was Ghostbusters, and it was in that theater. Wow. And I have this vague memory that maybe I might have been scared of my parents. <laughs> I cried and my parents took me <laughs> out. But, but did, were you here when Rick Hamilton, did you know Rick Hamilton? Uh, I don't think so. The name sounds familiar. Okay, well, he was Beetlejuice, and God, it was amazing. Uh, and that was so much fun. You know, doing, doing stuff like that, you know, uh, it was just so much fun. Um, we don't do that anymore. Yeah. Um, so, I, I miss that. <laughs> no. I think I was, uh, maybe you probably can't say, but I, I was more prompting you for more crazy customer stories. Um, crazy customer yeah. Like, um, I, I mean, the one that comes to mind for me is this, um, I was like one of my first weeks, uh, this um, mo- mother was ignoring her daughter who had to go to the bathroom and which just kept grabbing and just try- kept grabbing at her and trying to get her money. And then suddenly the daughter just suddenly looked completely at peace. And then suddenly there was a puddle of urine underneath her and I oh had to clean God. that up. Oh my God. You know, it's been a long time since I've, you know, managed a theater, and, and I remember, you know, guys wanted to pick fights with me because, you know, I, I wouldn't, uh, I, I kicked them out or something. Oh. But you know, I, I'm pretty big sized guy, and mo- I didn't really have too many problems with that. Um, and that's why I, I don't understand, you know, all the problems that our managers have. But then I look at them and said, okay, I, I understand, mm-hmm. you know, so. Uh, especially the female ones, um, but uh, you know, I had, probably had more down at the victory because I remember at the vi- oh, at the victory uh, majestic we had uh, like Return to Planet of the Apes or one of the, one of the sequels to Planet of the Apes we played at the majestic, and the crowd was basically basically a, a, a African American crowd inside except for this one white guy right in the middle. And during this movie, it was noisy, very noisy. And this guy stands up in the middle of the movie and yells. He starts cussing at him. He says, if you guys don't shut up, I'm going to take you outside and beat the shit out of you or something. You know, (laughs) so, uh, oh, my God. I called the cops right away because I I thought we'd have a riot, (sighs) you know. And uh, we, we, we did have a couple fights. So, you know, yeah, that, that, that was, I'll never forget that. <laughs> I guess, actually, I do have one last question. Do you feel hopeful right now about the theatrical experience? Yeah, well, it's my life, and I think 
I'm going to fight like hell to keep it going, and I, and I think it will. You know, I've, I've talked to a lot of people, and I think um, everybody loves going to the movies, you know, um, so hopefully that will continue. Well, cool. Um, I'm Mick Steeler. I wanted to thank you for being on the podcast. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, man. Yep. <laughs>